ahead and go to Deuteronomy tonight. We're going to, uh, tonight, uh, I want to deal with a subject that I think is uh, very important. Sadly, Christians today are so getting just caught up in everything. People just don't read their Bibles anymore. They don't, they don't read their Bibles. They don't think. I, I talked about this a little bit Sunday night, how people, they just kind of go along. They're basically independent Baptists have become a denomination in itself. And people, they, they just don't ever think. And if certain people do something, they think it must be okay or this person wouldn't be doing it. And a growing trend. I was reading a thing on the internet today, another growing trend. And so you can always, you already know why I would have a problem with that. Y'all know how I hate growing trends. Uh, people who follow those things, I call trendies. And I don't like trendies. And I'm the anti-trendy, all right? Whatever uh, is trendy, I don't want to do. But you know what a new trend is that's going on that I've been noticing that even Baptists are doing is observing the Passover. Okay? Now, should we observe the Passover? And that's the title of the message tonight. Should Christians keep the Passover? All right? And what they call it, how many of you have ever heard of a Seder dinner or observing Seder? That's what Passover is. And... Um, I'm going to, I'm, we're going to look at what the Bible says. So Deuteronomy chapter 16, and we're going to see how to observe the Passover. Because I'm just going to say right off the bat, what Christians are doing, what Baptists are doing, their way they are observing the Passover or Seder, it is not based off the Bible. It is based off of modern Jewish traditions. Modern Jewish practices, they are following not the Word of God, something they see in the Word of God. They are following an Antichrist religion. And their practices are so unbiblical, it's not even funny. And if they, you know what, if they want to observe the Passover, I think they need to at least try to do it right. And what they do, if you ever look, they, a lot of times they have like these round, you know, Jews sell these things. You know, they have these round containers that have all these different sections. There's like six sections for the food. And usually, and usually there's like a little star of Rimfen on there, as they like to call the star of David, uh, that's not in the Bible. But anytime too, I've ever seen a Baptist celebrating Passover, somewhere they got the star of Rimfen in the picture. Sometimes they'll have a, you know, the Israeli flag hanging up in there. Uh, they've got some, you know, they always have these Jewish symbols that are not from the Bible. They are pagan and they are wicked. They represent evil and Baptists are just too ignorant to actually study where these things come from. They're too lazy to study where these things come from. They don't even realize what they're doing. And they think they're observing Passover. And they're not. So if you want to observe Passover, here is how you do it. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 16. We're not going to read the first Passover. There was a few things that they did in the first Passover that were different. You all know what it's from when God was going to send that angel in to kill all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. And you all remember the story how they had to put the blood over their doorpost so the angel would pass over them. And then, and God told them, God gave them some instructions that day of how He wanted them to do it. And there was a few things that were different that were specifically for that time. For example, the blood on the doorpost. But God did want them observing the Passover from then on. And we see here in Deuteronomy chapter 16, this is how the Passover is supposed to be observed. So verse 1 says, Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God. From the month of Abib, the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God of the flock and the herd 
in the place which the Lord shall choose to place His name there. Notice the first thing you do in the Passover is you sacrifice a lamb. Should we be sacrificing lambs today? No. Now, are we allowed to kill a lamb and eat it? Absolutely. Alright? I mean, that smoked brisket, stuff like that, you know, from, I mean... Uh, not smoked brisket. Uh, that's from lamb, isn't it? What um, what does I eat all the time? This lamb, euros. All right, wonderful. Obviously, a lamb had to be sacrificed for me to eat that. Okay, but in a religious sense, do we do that? Absolutely not. That would be absolutely wicked for us to do something like that. Jesus Christ made the final sacrifice. He was the he is the lamb of God, and so you sacrifice a lamb. They don't sacrifice lambs when they do that. Uh, it says also that they were supposed to do it in the place which God shall choose to place His name there. Okay, now for 40 years they wander around the wilderness, but where is the place where God chose to place His name there? It was Jerusalem, right? It was Jerusalem. Are these people observing Passover in Jerusalem? Are they sacrificing lambs in Jerusalem? No, they're not. They're doing it wherever they want to do it. They were not. And notice in verse 3, Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it, Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread therewith, even the bread of affliction, for thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste, that thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. So this was not just a one-day thing or an evening thing like people are doing today. Like these, these Christians who try to celebrate this today, they go and just, it's like an evening thing. Sometimes we'll have people from their church come over and they will have their Seder dinner, their Passover. They will observe the Passover. And they just do it that night. Well, according to what the Bible said, they were supposed to... Passover is when it started. And then they had a seven-day Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay? The Feast of Unleavened Bread. And that was a Sabbath week. Okay? And that's why when you read about Jesus hanging on the cross and they were trying, wanting to take Him down before sunset... Because they were trying to get him down before the Sabbath. Because it was a high day. It wasn't, and so that's why people think he died on Friday. Because it mentions the Sabbath. But it wasn't referring to the Sabbath as in a Saturday. It was referring into the Sabbath week that came after the 14th day of the month, which began the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay, And so they had a Sabbath week where they did not work for that entire week. Okay, so keep all those things in mind. You say, this is getting kind of complicated. This is getting kind of meticulous. You're getting kind of nitpicky here, aren't you? Well, you know what? The things they had to do, their ceremonial observances were very meticulous. And they were nitpicky. We're not going to go back and read the story about Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, who offered strange fire. They didn't do it the way God, they didn't do the sacrifice the way God said to do it. They did their own little version of it. They manipulated it. And you know what? Fire came from out of the altar and consumed them. Why? Because God cared about the details in these things. And their ceremonial observances, God cared greatly about how they did it. He wanted every detail done right. You know why? Because these pictured things that God wanted to teach us. God, the Passover is very clearly, we're not even going to go through all the examples of it, I mean, but it very clearly is talking about Jesus Christ. When you see everything that they did in the Passover, and then when you see how Jesus died, it's so clear that that Passover was a picture of the death of Christ, but yet they didn't see it. You know why? Because the Jews 
Even during Jesus' time, they had manipulated, they had messed with everything. They weren't doing anything the way they were supposed to. And so, a lot of them missed it. But I'm just here to tell you that God cared about those details. It wasn't just Passover. Passover. Part of that was observing the Feast of Unleavened Bread that lasted for another seven days. Okay? Why aren't they doing that? Why, would, why are they observing the Passover and not doing the Feast of Unleavened Bread? That's what God said to do. That's how it's supposed to be done. It says in verse five, uh, verse 4, And there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee in all thy coast seven days. Neither shall there anything of the flesh which thou sacrifices the first day at even remain all night until the morning. Okay, there's two things in here. They were not supposed to have any leaven in their coast. Okay? Alright, now obviously we can't do anything about you know, our neighbors, what they have in their house. But, you know, if these people are going to keep the Passover, I think they at least need on their property, make sure there's no leaven or what we call a yeast, none anywhere on their property. Nowhere. Okay. Why are you, you, know, why are you being so picky? Why do they say after you things? This is what the Bible said they have to do. I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. I'm going somewhere with this. No, these people, if they're going to keep the Passover, if they've got any yeast, if they've got any leaven in their house, they are not doing it right. If it's anywhere on their property, they are not doing right. It says also in verse 4, um, you know, uh, the flesh which thou sacrifice on the first day at even remain all night till morning. Whatever was left of that lamb, they, uh, they were supposed to burn it. There was supposed to be nothing left over of that lamb. Are they doing that? What are they doing with the leftovers on these Seder dinners? Are they eating every bit of it? If there's anything left, are they burning it? You know, what are they doing with the leftovers if they're going to observe the Passover in a biblical way? Okay, because these people do, they all, they all act like they're Bible believers, but they're, they're not following the Bible. They're following modern day Judaism that doesn't even resemble what's in the Bible. They just use a lot of the same terminology. So, you know, sacrifice a lamb, sacrifice in Jerusalem, don't eat leaven for seven days, don't have any leaven in your coast. For seven days, make sure you don't leave any part of the lamb left over after the first day. And then verse six, but the place which the Lord thy God shall choose the place his name in, there shall uh, there thou shalt sacrifice the Passover at even at the going down of the sun at the season that thou camest forth out of Egypt. And thou shalt roast and eat it in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. And thou shalt turn in the morning and go unto thy tents. Six days. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord thy God, and thou shalt do no work therein. Alright, so you were not supposed to work during the Sabbath week. Are these people taking a week off for this? Are they, are they going back to work? You know, if you're gonna do it, you, you have to do it right. What does it teach in the New Testament about the law? You know, if you're gonna try to keep the law, you have to do the whole thing. All right, Paul specifically said that and specifically referring to ceremonial observances. He was talking about the circumcision, but he's like, if you're going to make circumcision a part of salvation, which was a ceremonial law, you have to keep the whole law. Okay? So if you're going to keep any of these feasts, you have to do all of them. And notice how it's putting them all together. This is all instructions for the Passover. And so they were supposed to Part of keeping the Passover was keeping the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then look at this in verse 10 or verse 9. Seven weeks shalt thou number unto thee. Begin to number the seven weeks 
from such time as thou beginnest to put the sickle to the corn, and thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God, uh, with the tribute of a free will offering of thine hand, and thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God according as the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. So we see that there's seven weeks, 49 days on that 50th day. That's what we now call Pentecost. Alright? Feast of Pentecost. You're supposed to observe that. We're not going to go into all these feasts. There's, a, there's another uh, chapter in the Bible where it kind of goes through the details of what they're supposed to do in all these feasts. But part of keeping the Passover is keeping the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After you keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days, 50 days later, you have the Feast of Pentecost. Okay, so understand. Remember, if you're going to do this, you got to do it right. And so you got to take a week off for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then after that, look at verse 11. It says, And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite that is within thy gates and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are among you and the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to place his name there. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt and thou, and thou shalt observe and do these statutes and thou shalt observe the feast of tabernacles seven days after that thou hast gathered in thy corn and thy wine. Okay, so after the Pentecost, now you have to do the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay? Now, here's what the Feast of Tabernacles is. I love the Feast of Tabernacles. There's a great picture of it. One of these days, we will observe the Feast of Tabernacles. The Bible teaches us that one day, when Christ sets His kingdom up on this earth, we will observe the Feast of Tabernacles again. Why are they bringing that one back? Well, for the same reason that they had it back then. The Feast of Tabernacles, God wanted them to observe that after they got into their land. It was a way for them to remember that they used to be a stranger and a pilgrim. They used to wander in the wilderness. But then, you know, God brought them into that land and they, for a week every year, they would come to Jerusalem and they would all dwell in tents or booths. Some call it the Feast of Booths. And they would remember that they used to be strangers and pilgrims. Okay, Now, why don't we observe the Feast of Tabernacles today? Because the Bible says we're strangers and pilgrims on this earth. This world is not our home. Our home is in heaven, but one of these days, Jesus Christ, He is going to come and He is going to rule over this world. We're going to be able to dwell with Him. And during that time, when we are no longer strangers and pilgrims, when we have a homeland... We will, once a year, we will go to Jerusalem, the Bible teaches, and we will celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles again. It'll make total sense then, because then we won't be strangers and pilgrims anymore. But the Bible says we are now. So for us to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, which is part of keeping the Feast of Passover, makes no sense. We can't do it right now. We are living the Feast of Tabernacles, you could say, because of the fact that we're strangers and pilgrims. We don't live in tents. Okay, but is, is your home really yours? Even if you own it, is it really yours? No. Absolutely not. You still have to pay taxes on it, don't you? You can't make your own laws for your land. Why? Our government will step in. Our, our, your, our government can step in and they can take your property if they think they need it. Eminent domain. That's a law. If the community can benefit from your land... You have to sell it to them. So, do we have anything on this earth that's really ours? Absolutely not. Okay, so, so you know, you're, you're being picky, okay, about all this stuff. You know, these people, they're, they're, they're just trying to remember that, you know, listen, they are calling it observing Passover. 
They are trying to follow Jewish customs, but unfortunately they're following it from the modern day lying Antichrist Jews. And what they're doing doesn't even resemble what's in the Bible. They've cheapened it. They've made shortcuts. They have left parts out that they don't like. They are lazy about it. And you say, well, it's not a big deal because we're under grace. Well, the thing is, though, it is still an abomination because you're trying to picture something that's already been completed, just like it would be an abomination for you to sacrifice a lamb for your sins. We all know God would not be pleased for that. But understand, that is part of keeping the Passover, sacrificing a lamb. And so for us to change the requirements of the Passover, it would be to ruin the message of the Passover. In the Bible, all the ceremonial laws they had, it's very clear and a lot of people who are a lot smarter than I am, you know, they, they can show you and they can teach you how all those things pointed to Jesus Christ. And when you'll, and you'll see in the Bible, for example, when Moses smote the rock, okay, how God got angry with him and wouldn't let him go into promising. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, there was some prophetic significance to what he did there. Because you see, before Moses had smote the rock, because God had told him to. But the second time, God told him to speak to the rock. And there was some, you know, prophetic significance to that. And Moses didn't do it. He got angry and he smote the rock. And that angered God greatly. Whenever they would, uh, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, they wore bells on their garments so they could listen on the outside to hear if those bells stopped ringing. They knew that priest dropped dead because he did not do what he was supposed to do right. So well, you know, why, why, why so picky? You know what? God was trying to show us in the Old Testament what it takes to be righteous, to be holy. And he was trying to teach us that we can't do it. And why today, when we know what we know, would we want to go back to trying that? When, I, when I'm reading all that about the Passover, I'm like, I don't want to do that. That's a lot of detail. That's a lot of trouble. That's a lot of work. You say, oh, well, you, you say you, should, you don't observe the Passover, you observe the Lord's Supper. Do you know how easy the Lord's Supper is to observe? We drink a little thing of grape juice. We eat a little piece of bread. It's very simple. Kind of like salvation. Think, think about that. You know, the way we do the Lord's Supper now, yes, it's unleavened bread, but it's completely different than the Passover. It's completely different. The Passover was hard. The Lord's Supper is easy. Keeping the law is hard. The Lord's Supper is easy. And for us to try to observe the Passover with what we know today is to belittle what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Oh, I can do that. We can observe the Passover. No, we can't. We can't. Go ahead and try it. Go ahead, go ahead and try doing that. I don't know. I don't even know what leaven is and yeast and all that. I don't know what hasn't and what doesn't. My wife could probably get rid of it in our house. But I'm not a cook. I don't, I don't know. But, you know, go ahead. Go try getting rid of all that in your house. Keep it out of your house for a week. Don't eat of it for a week. Go ahead. Try to take a week off right now. I think right now is when the Passover is supposed to be. Take a week off from now. See if your boss lets you get away with it. I hope you have enough vacation time to cover all that time. You know, go ahead and try doing all that stuff. You know, go, be, be ready. Make sure you start counting the days. Fifty days later, you got to observe the Feast of Pentecost. After that, you're going to have to do the Feast of Tabernacles. Be ready to go spend a week in a tent. All right, have fun, have fun with that too. Go do all those things. 
Make sure you follow all those things. And while you're at it, you might as well keep the Sabbath too. Don't you dare do any work on Saturday either. Don't go picking up sticks. Don't do anything like that. For us to think we can do that, it belittles what Jesus Christ did in the cross. We can't do that. We can't keep all these laws. You know, remember when I talked about a couple weeks ago uh, when Moses went up to the mountain, or God came down to the mountain and He blew that trumpet, but nobody was able to go up to the mountain. And God gave them that law. You know, I've often wondered what would have happened if when God told them, clean yourselves up, I'm coming to the mountain. I'm going to sound a trumpet before you come up. If when they went to start to clean themselves up, if the people would have just looked at themselves and said, this isn't doing anything. We can't be in the presence of God. You know, and if they'd have just called on the Lord right then and just said, Lord, we can't clean ourselves up. Lord, save us. I wonder what would have happened. Now, understand, you say, well, how could they have known to do that? Well, they, they wouldn't have known how to do that. That's why God gave them the law. And what should have happened when Moses came down with that law, they should have looked at that law and said, we can't do that, and then called on the Lord. But they didn't do that, did they? They tried for you know, 2,000 years to try to keep the law. Failed, failed, failed just over and over again. And today, even after Jesus Christ has died on the cross, paid for our sins, proved that we cannot keep the law, People today still think you get to heaven by being good. You get to heaven by observing the law and then we've got Baptists. We're supposed to be the ones that are right on our doctrine and we've got Baptists falling for this observing Passover stuff. I'm, trying, I'm, I'm getting embarrassed, folks. These people are embarrassed. I wish they would change their name. I'm not changing our name. We're still staying Baptists. But man, I wish they'd change their name. They need to start calling themselves community churches and stuff, or you know, community centers. Don't even call it, don't even call yourself a church. They're just they're commu- Christian Christianist community centers is all they are. But you know, this you know the Passover, okay? All these things that are involved, all this meticulous, you know, detail that you have to do. This is a classic example of what was completed on the cross. Jesus Christ did everything for us. He fulfilled the ceremonial law when He died on the cross. There is no benefit. And see, here's the difference too between ceremonial law and moral law. Okay, We've got all these morons, for lack of a better term, who are trying to throw out a lot of the moral law that's in the Old Testament. That God never implied, the Bible never implied it should go away. The moral law still should be kept. Not to obtain salvation, okay, but to benefit society. Okay? Now, let me ask you, where does society benefit from us keeping ceremonial laws? Think about it. Nowhere. Are we helping or hurting society by keeping Passover, things like that? No. You know, we're, that's not helping society. It's not hurting society. Okay, when Jesus finished those things, it didn't make the world a worse place. It actually made it a better place. And the, but the truth is, when it comes to moral law, if we get rid of moral law, does society benefit or are they worse off? What's going to happen if we, have, if we throw out thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not commit adultery and thou shalt not steal? What happens if we start throwing out punishment for sin? What happens when we start throwing out the death penalty? 
for things. I'll tell you what happens. It's called the United States of America is what happens. It's called all the perversion and wackoness that we have going on in this country. That's what happens when we throw those things out. We don't do the death penalty for hardly anything. Dylan Roof, I guess he's going to be put to death. And, you know, thank God there's still some places that have the death penalty in this country. But really, murder is about all we put people to death for anymore. But we see in the Bible there's a lot more things that they're supposed to put people to death for. You know, perversion. You know, people, you know, the homosexuality, things like that. And we can't have, you know, and people are like, oh, that, that's mean, that's cruel. You know what's mean and cruel is not punishing those things because then people keep doing it. They keep murdering. They keep being perverts. You know, we've got all these, you know, I, I, I don't want to get grabbed now. We've got a lot of little kids in here, but just all the child molestation and stuff that's going on in our country. You know why? It's because we don't deal with perverts. And look what's going on. It's out of control. And not only are these, these same morons that want to keep these ceremonial laws are like want to throw out all these moral laws. That makes no sense at all. And it's just, I'm telling you the, the, you know, the hypocrisy, the double standards. I mean, these people, they always blame people like me who, you know, preach the Bible for bringing reproach in the name of Christ. You know, how dare you think somebody should die for their sins? Well, it's what the Bible teaches. And let me tell you something, though these little trendies going around, you know, acting like they're all, you know, about love and care and compassion, they are bringing a reproach in the name of Christ. They are nothing like Jesus Christ. The world loves these people, and Jesus said, "The world's going to hate you because they hate me." And you know what? Woe, woe unto you when all men speak well of you. Hey? I promise I'm not going to gain fans from the world by preaching like this. But you know what? I'm not looking for it. I'm not trying to make them mad. But you know what? Preaching the truth is going to make the world mad. And I'm telling you, man, these, these little trendies, they are, they are making the Lord look bad. They are bringing a disgrace upon the good name of Jesus Christ. These little, these little punks out there observing the Passover, they are a shame to the name of Christianity. They are a shame to the name of Christ. Yes, sir. Yeah, my cousin, he's a Methodist, and his daughter is called some kind of mystery. Told me, he keeps telling me about all these Jewish things they were doing. I said, when Christ died in the temple was rent. That's right. Absolutely, absolutely. And that, that is what is known as the Hebrew roots movement. And they're all trying to get us to go back to our Hebrew roots and start bringing all these ceremonial observances back in. Jesus finished them, He did them for us because we can't do them. And every one of these Hebrew roots people that are out there too, that are trying to bring these things in, watch how they observe these feasts and these... They don't do it like the Bible says. And go read the Old Testament and see how God dealt with people who didn't do it the way they were supposed to do it. It always ended with somebody dying. And so, well, you know, people aren't dying today because we're under grace. Exactly. And we're under grace. So why in the world are we trying to do these things? Why, we can't, why are we trying to do things that we can't possibly do? You know what I do? I think it's good. I, you know, I know there are some churches that they'll, you know, they'll, you know, that teach about the Passover and maybe will do things kind of showing how the Passover worked and all that. That's fine to teach that. One, two, so you can show how meticulous it was. You can show how difficult it was. You can show that we can't do it. And then 
look back and say, thank God we're living in the day we're living in today. Thank God for what Jesus Christ did. And instead of people thanking God for what Jesus did by observing the Lord's Supper, they're keeping the Passover and celebrating Israel. That it just, it makes no sense at all. It, it fires me up. I love what Jesus did for me. I thank God for what He did on the cross. And listen, most of these people too, I'm not saying they're, they're not trying to, I don't think they're on purpose trying to belittle what Jesus did. They're just trendies. They do what everybody's doing. They have no will of their own. They don't know how to think for themselves. They don't know how to read a Bible. They saw some goofball out there do it that they think is a good person. And so they jump on the bandwagon. They're, they're, just, they're just mindless drones. They're just zombies. They're just, they, don't know, they don't know what they're doing. And somebody needs to wake these people up. Somebody needs to slap them upside the head. Okay, and I'll, I'll gladly be the one to do that because this they need. I think if somebody if somebody would just teach them and just tell them, it's called reprove, rebuke. You're a moron. You know, read your Bible. Maybe they would quit doing these things. But the moral the the moral law it's still in place, not in order to obtain salvation, but in order to maintain a healthy society. I want to have a world that's fit to live in. I want to have a town that's fit to live in. So we have to have moral laws. Not so we can go to heaven, okay? but so we can have some semblance of order. That's just, that's just wisdom right there. And so a person, notice this, a person gets saved when they stop trying to save themselves and they trust in the work of Christ. Look at Hebrews chapter 3. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 3. And I want to read verse 18. See, these things that people... Are doing. These are the things that the Jews did in order to obtain salvation. During the New Testament time, they were trying these things. And, you know, Jesus, John the Baptist, you know, Paul, Peter, all they were trying to teach them. Whoever wrote Hebrews was trying to teach them. No, stop doing these things and start trusting in Jesus Christ. Start putting your faith in Him. Hebrews 3.18 says, And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. He's referring to those that were in the wilderness. They didn't get to go into the promised land. Why? They didn't believe God. Okay? Not because they didn't do a good enough job keeping the law. It's because they didn't believe God. Verse four, or chapter four, verse one, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. How do we enter into rest? By believing. Okay? As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works, and in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, that they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. Okay, so and then um, verse 7, again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, today after so long a time as it is said, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, for if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. How do you enter into his rest? 
Stop working. Working, you mean like stop my job? No. Stop working for your salvation. Okay? Stop trusting in your works. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Let any man should fall after the same example of unbelief. Okay? How do we enter into rest? How do we get saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. What does it mean to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? We're saying, I can't keep the law. I'm not good enough to go to heaven. I can't do it. Therefore, I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ. I'm going to put my faith and trust in Him. I'm going to accept His free, free gift of salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 says, For your glorying is not good. Know ye that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Y'all see that? Y'all want to start keeping the feast of Passover? You know what? Call on Jesus Christ. Let Him be your Passover. Enter into His rest. These Hebrew roots that are trying to get people to keep the Sabbath day. Okay? We are living the Sabbath day. We are at rest right now. We have ceased from our labors. For us to observe the Sabbath day is to basically say we're trying to get saved. We do not keep ceremonial laws anymore. Jesus did it for us. Jesus Christ is our Sabbath. Jesus Christ is our Passover. I don't do have to do all those little meticulous things. I don't have to keep the Feast of Passover and unleavened bread that's part of it and the Feast of Pentecost and the Feast of Tabernacles. I don't have to do those things. Jesus did it for me. I don't even have to pay for my failures in the moral law. Why? Jesus paid for that too. He wants us to follow moral law so we can have a better life on earth, but it has nothing to do with getting us to heaven. And for us to observe these ceremonial laws, it cheapens what Jesus Christ did in a great way. It makes it, though it is nothing, the Lord's Supper and baptism are the perfect, those are the ordinances. Those are the things we observe. Why? They're simple. Getting dunked under the water and pull, that's nothing. Anybody can do that. Eat, drinking a little thing of grape juice, you know, eating that little piece of bread, you know how easy it is? You know how much time I spent making this bread? No time. I went and I bought it at a store. And we're, I laid it out there. The thing that took me long was pouring the juice in those tiny little cups. You know, and there's going to be no work for you to do it. You take it. You drink it. You eat it. It's simple. Just like you believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and calling on His name, it was simple. But it's a thing. But what we are supposed to do while observing this is we're remembering that He shed His blood for us. His body was broken for us. He did it all for us so we don't have to do it. So, for us to try to observe these ceremonial laws, it's to spit in the eye of Jesus Christ and what He did. We have got to stop getting caught up into every little thing that everybody's doing. We've got to stop getting caught up in these growing trends I'm afraid part of this problem, many of these people who are doing these things are these major pro-Israel people that have just, they don't understand what the Bible teaches 
about Israel and God's people. They have been deceived. And because they've been deceived in that area, it's causing them to get caught up in these other things. I mean, things that are downright sinful for us to do. Things that are downright blasphemous. Let's not, let's not do that. Let's just do what the Bible said to do. Let's not make, you know, people are already making salvation complicated. You know, you got to do this and this and this and this and this if you're going to get saved. No, that's not how salvation works. Uh, now you're saying, you know, you got to keep this ordinance. You got to do this and this and this. You got to do these meticulous things. No, we don't. We do, how often do you, people ask me all the time, how do you do, often do you do Lord's Supper at your church? When we feel like it. We don't have a set schedule for it. We don't make it real repetitive and, you know, it's, it's, it's a simple thing. It's easy. Why? Because it's a picture of salvation. That's simple and easy. Jesus did the hard stuff. And He wants us to believe in Him. That's not hard. It should not be hard to believe in Christ. It ought to be easy. You have to read. It's easy to accept the gift. Have you ever had somebody hand something out to you and then they like keep pulling it back and raising up and just messing with you? Okay. God doesn't do that with us. Okay. He holds it out. All we got to do is accept it. It's, it's that simple. And I, I do, I love the Lord's Supper because of the simplicity of it. It reminds me of the simplicity of salvation. And when I see the Passover, I love reading about the Passover because it reminds me, thank God I don't have to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to do this, what we're doing tonight, what God commanded us to do in, in the New Testament. And I, and I hope you understand why we do what we do tonight. I hope you understand what it means and the significance of it. And don't get caught up in these things. So I, think, I, I do. I think some people are well-meaning, but they're just dead, wrong, and deceived. And we need, to, we need to speak the truth on these things. And so, with that, let's go ahead.